welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. It has been our pleasure to have Lisa Harper here with us this uh, week at Sparkle. Uh, she did an amazing job on Saturday with, with preaching to the ladies. She did the final, final session. And when she was done, I just was like, that was incredible. What she taught was on the value of women and how much God loves his daughters. And she went through just script. I, I'm telling you, we got to figure out how to get that out to the whole church. Amaz- she's a teacher. She's a preacher. She's a friend of River Valley. And I won't take any more time. I want our campuses to all get ready for this because we are thrilled to have Lisa with us this weekend. Can you welcome her to River Valley Church this weekend as she brings the word? Thank you so much. Okay, y'all. I've got to tell you the truth. I need to tell you the truth. That's like an eHarmony profile. Um, because pastor's only telling you the good parts. Um, the thing I love about Pastor Rob and Pastor Becca is they know where some of the bodies are buried in my life. And they love me anyway. If I respected your house, I've seen the fruit of River Valley all over the world. I met people in Australia who came to faith through this house. I've seen fruit of River Valley all over the world. And so if I loved this house and respected your pastors anymore, a restraining order would probably be <laughs> necessary. So, so to get to be here on the heels of Sparkle, which was my goodness gracious, it was just awesome. I'm still kind of spiritually caffeinated and, and I'm a spitter. So y'all, I'm, I'm really sorry. You're going to get baptized. Reach out and touch that saint you're sitting next to. Um, I, I mean it literally go ahead and reach out. If this is a first date, just do it in a real chase Leviticus kind of way. But would you pray that even now, today, God would give them wider eyes to the miracle of the gospel? Just pray for that saint right now. If y'all are new to River Valley, maybe just online, you thought you're going to an essential oil site and you thought, oh, this woman's whacked and has a crazy accent. Stay, stay, stay with us. Because we want you to know how much God loves you. He sees you, you are not invisible. Would you pray that those precious saints, those image bearers around you hear that? Jesus, 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 thank you for this safe place we get to come together to focus our attention and our affection on you. Thank you for your kindness. When we were singing, God is so good, I just thought that's all that needs to be said. That's all that needs to be said. If I had half a brain, I wouldn't even preach. We would just sit in that But Jesus, you know, I've ever had much more than half a brain. So we're going to dive into your promises, into this love letter you left us called the Bible, where you remind us on page after page that we are your beloved, that you pursue us with goodness and mercy. Lord, help us to hear. Take the scales from our eyes and our ears and our hearts. Uh, I pray you would dissipate the distractions we've brought in with us as we come together in this family room we call church. Help us to see you more clearly and hear you louder 
the lyrics of love you promised to sing over us in Zephaniah. Help our, our hearts to believe more fully that you know us completely and, and yet you love us unconditionally. Teach us what it is to lean into your embrace instead of wriggling out of it so quickly, Lord Jesus. We love you. We will be careful to give you and you alone, King Jesus, for the, the good things that you do in our midst today. Amen and amen. Aren't you grateful that we don't have to worry about being arrested to come together to worship the Lord? I, I didn't used to think about that when I was younger, when I still had tight skin and a high metabolism. I never even thought about that. But as a 58-year-old woman, I realized, boy, that is a luxury in, in, this, in this country, in this culture that we need to praise God for, that we can come together still freely and worship this God who loves us. The great thing about being 58, besides stretchy pants, I have very, very few pants with zippers in my closet anymore, but I can look back over my life and I can say that that lyric isn't hyperbolic. He is so good. I can look back over my life and go, I've never seen God's back. He is so good. But one of my favorite commentarians, I have crushes on on all the dead guys, this guy's still kicking, but he's a commentarian named Warren Wearsby, and he says this, we live by faith, not by explanation. And it has been hard for me to learn that because there are still seasons in my life that I want answers from the Lord, and I forget that I don't need answers, I need presence more than I need answers. About two months into COVID, I was begging for answers. Um, you know, at first I thought it would just be about a month or two and I'm not a very good rester. So I thought, oh, this is good. I'll catch up on my sleep. Uh, I'll do a few more devotions. Um, I'll eat a few more carbohydrates. Um, after, after a month, I live out in the country in Nashville, Tennessee, and I got so bored. We have five acres that I got out a chainsaw. Gentlemen, I'm 58 and single, and a 58-year-old single woman, we just, we've got to have power tools. There's just something about it. And so I started cutting down trees, and I accidentally cut one of the propane lines on our property and almost blew us up. And I thought, I probably need to pray. I probably need to set down my chainsaw and pray. But it was in that season when I was kind of discombobulated with the chaos that was going on globally and certainly culturally when we had something personally that just knocked the legs out from under my school stool. Somebody uh, very, very close to me took his life. And I was just begging for answers. You know, you look back over your life and you see God's goodness, but sometimes you get stuck in a hard chapter and you go, Lord, I need something fresh. I know the theology, but man, today my heart is tired. At that point, I felt like my heart was just flattened on the pavement and I wasn't sure I could peel it up and carry the weight of my own life anymore. And I begged the Lord for something fresh. I said, Lord, I just need a fresh reminder of your goodness. I know that in my head, but my heart is heavy. And I sensed in my spirit, I've never heard an audible voice from the Lord, but I sensed in my spirit him say, I want you to go to Luke 1. 
And I was like, Lord, I don't think I made myself very clear. I need, I need encouragement, not Christmas. You know, this was April and I thought Luke one, I mean, Luke one is shoeboxes. It's Mar- Mariah Carey in the mall. I mean, I'm not, not looking for Christmas. I know Christmas, I need encouragement. And it was just insistent. I'm not the sharpest tool in my shed, but if God says it, you know, more than once or twice, I go there. And so I went to Luke one, y'all have heard the story. Some of y'all have cross-stitched it. If you grew up half Baptist like I did, my mom was Baptist, daddy was Assembly of God, so I was kind of Baptist-costal. Now I'm mostly costal, but if you grew up a little bit Baptist, you've seen these stories flannel graphed. You won't forget them if you've ever seen them in flannel. In the sixth month, Luke chapter one, verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joe of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And she was about 12, according to New Testament scholars. And he, the giant 10 foot glowing angel came to her and said in a super deep voice, cause you know, angels sound like the guy on the Allstate commercial, greetings. Oh, favored one. I'm taking the tiniest bit of liberty with the Greek, but Pastor Rob is going to clean all this up later. He said to her, greetings, oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I'm sure she was. She's in the seventh grade. And a 10-foot glowy guy says, God has a text message. Ah! I mean, poor Mary, poor little peanut. She's thinking, where's my phone? I need to Insta story this. Nobody's going to believe it. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. So the Messiah you've heard about since you were itty bitty that your people have been praying about for centuries, you are going to give birth to him. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary, the seventh grader said to the angel, how will this be since I've never even gone to prom? (laughs) And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you verse 35, and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy or Hagon in the Greek, the son of God. We have heard that story so many times. Oftentimes you see little kids with bathrobes acting out this story. Unfortunately, it's just become rope for most of us. We forget the miracle here. Most of us hear about the virgin birth and we go, oh yeah, 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 yeah. If you were a first century person listening to Luke's proclamation, you would go, oh, wow, that's interesting, but you wouldn't necessarily think the virgin birth was an anomaly because in this period of ancient culture, a lot of people, they were under Greco-Roman authority and they believed that the pantheon, that's all the little G gods that Romans and Greeks believed in, they believed some of the members of the pantheon had connected with human females and that virgin births happened. That's how we got Wonder Woman. That's how we got Perseus. And so they thought sometimes a girl could get pregnant without going to prom and hooking up with a guy she was dating. They thought it could have been a little G God. Are y'all still with me? And Luke makes it really clear. Nope, this isn't one of those. Now that's myth. 
But in this period of the first century, they thought that could happen. He said, nope, that's not the deal here. God is not gonna take Mary to Olive Garden and then take liberties. That's not what's gonna happen. He said, the Holy Spirit is gonna come upon her. It's not untoward. There's nothing physically intimate about this. This is not inappropriate. This doesn't happen in the dark. And he uses a word to make it really, really clear that this is the first time it's ever happened. He says, the Holy Spirit is gonna epicomai her. He's going to come alongside. There's nothing physically intimate about that in a way that you would experience in the sacrament of marriage. He said, he's going to come next to her. And when he comes next to her, we're going to see the miracle of Emmanuel. God isn't asking for her fertility. He's asking for her faith. Open hands, just open hands. Y'all are the most amazing people. I wasn't even asking y'all to do it. You did it anyway. This is like, la la, send money to Lisa. Uh, no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. If you know a man between 50 and death who has a job, 1-800-588. Please call Lisa for a date. He says the Holy Spirit is going to epicoma Mary. He's going to come alongside her. She doesn't have to bring much to the table. She's just a kid. I just want her to go, okay, God can do it. Open hands. Christmas is not the first time we see the Epicoma miracle. If you'll turn to the right to the Acts of the Apostles, which Luke also wrote. He's the only Gentile author of scripture. I love his perspective as an outsider. He has such a kind perspective. And he wrote those books together. He wrote the, the gospel according to Luke and the Acts of the Apostles at the same time. Wonderful symmetry of redemptive compassion here. And you'll remember the beginning of Acts. Most of us have memorized this. So when they had come together, and Luke is talking about all those believers at this time, most New Testament scholars tell us there was just a little over a hundred true believers, people who believed Jesus of Nazareth was the capital L Lord. That means Adonai the Christ. A lot of people thought he was a great rabbi. People would say, man, when he preaches, I'm not tempted to play Candy Crush. When he preaches, I'm just captivated by his language. When he prays, it's not stiff and formal. He prays like he really knows Jehovah. So a lot of people appreciated Jesus as a rabbi, but only about 110 actually put their hope in him as the Christ, the anointed one at this point in history. This is after the very first Easter. Uh, Jesus has stretched out his arms. He's died on a cross for us. He's been put in a tomb. Three days later, we had the first Easter. This is about a month after that. I think how kind of God that he didn't shazam immediately to the right hand of God the Father, but he stayed here in his resurrected body for at least a month because he knew most of us were yahoos. And we, we, needed, we needed proof like Tom. How can I know it's you? Touch, touch, the, touch where the stakes went in my hands. And you'll know it's me, Thomas. So this is after a month. Y'all remember this story because it's a great Pentecostal story. They gather together on the edge of town. They ask, Lord, who will at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they were still confused. They thought they were going to get a political hero who would rescue them out from under the oppression of Roman authority. And Jesus says, y'all still don't get it. It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power, whether you're Presbyterian or Pentecostal, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has 
come upon you, Eprico, mind you. When he comes along beside you, you'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and Sudan and Bruno Fossi. I love that pastor said that. One of my seminary professors says, if it doesn't preach in Sudan, it shouldn't preach in Nashville. I'm like, yes. This is a global gospel. It's global good news. He says, you'll share the hope of glory all around the world because the Holy Spirit's gonna do to you what we did to Mary. He's gonna come alongside you. He's gonna epicomai you. Do you remember the miracle after the second epicomai? I mean, if y'all are River Valley people, you know the miracle. The Holy Spirit comes down. And he's been there since the beginning. Before time and space, our God is a Trinitarian God. So we've got God the Father, God God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He didn't just shazam in Acts 2. But there is a really cool kind of debutante New Testament party in Acts 2 where he comes down on these new believers and then flames of fire shoot up. That's why some people are scared of Pentecostals. It's like, what will happen if we go to Cheesecake Factory? And all of a sudden, there's tongues of fire on our head. He comes down upon them. And remember, they were celebrating Pentecost at the beginning of Acts. And Pentecost by the first century had become a time when originally it was a harvest festival, but then it became, I just drove through Iowa last night, by the way, there's a lot of harvest and evidently a lot of cows with irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> and per, I, it was an interesting smell in the middle of the night on the way here, but I digress. He, he said, Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. People have come from all over to celebrate this festival that used to be a harvest festival, but now it's when we celebrate that God gave his word to Moses. And remember, the Jews came from all over the diaspora. That means they didn't just come from that Israel area. They came from Minnesota and from Turkey and from all these different places. Luke lists 15 different nationalities who came together because Pentecost in the first century for Jews was like, it was like the Super Bowl or it was like, you know, the Ryder Cup or the semi-annual shoe sale at Nordstrom. It was a big deal. So they came from all over and the Holy Spirit had epicomide those those 110-ish believers. And because they had power from the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in tongues. And people get real nervous if they're listening online and they go, here they go. They're gonna get all Pentecostal. Goodness gracious, I hate it that Acts chapter two divides people because the miracle in Acts chapter two is stunning. When it says they spoke in tongues, the word there is xenolalia. There's several different kinds of tongues in scripture that I, I know Pastor Rob and Pastor Becca have made clear. In this specific situation, they spoke known languages. There are at least 15 different dialects spoken in Acts chapter two. And these yahoos, these uneducated 110, all of a sudden begin sharing the hope of glory in Berno Fossi and in Spanish, and to people who had never spoken Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew, all of a sudden, they heard that Jesus loved them. I adopted my daughter from Haiti, and my first trip to Haiti, uh, when I began the adoption process, it was a two-year process, brought her home just to the miracle of adoption. Seven and a half years ago, I was 50, she was four, so I went through menopause and motherhood at the same time. Sorry, gentlemen, but it was a miracle and a half. But, but when I first started the process, I couldn't speak any Creole. 
And I visited a girl in a village next door to my daughter's village who was a young woman. Uh, her name is Megan Boudreaux. She started a ministry there. She became a believer when she was in college and um, didn't grow up in the church, didn't have a church like River Valley behind her. She came to Christ through a Bible study in college in Louisiana. And don't you love it when young Christians just believe the Lord? They don't get all analytical. They don't get all, what was the original text? They just go, God said it, I'll do it. And after she'd been a Christian for just two years, had a degree in international business, had a great job. She heard God say, I want you to go to Haiti. So she went, yes, sir. Went to Haiti. No mission board, no financial support. Just went, all right, God told me I'm going to go to Haiti. She said she got to Haiti. She couldn't find any housing, didn't know anybody there, had no support group behind her. Finally found a shack with no running water, no electricity. And she said she was surprised at how hard it was for her to pick up the language because she thought I can learn Creole just through immersion. I'll just meet people and surely within a couple of weeks, I'll begin to speak Creole. And she said it wasn't happening. She couldn't understand people. She began hiking up this hill next to her shack. She would hike up that hill every day because when she got to the top of that hill, she could see the ocean and it reminded her of home, of where she grew up in Louisiana. She said she'd look at the ocean, she'd just pray, God, God, help me. I think you told me to move here. I feel like I'm having no efficacy. Help me. One day she's hiking up that hill and she saw two little girls, uh, Haitian young women, who were both bleeding, obviously desperate. And Megan squatted down and stopped by these two beautiful little Haitian girls. She assumed they were Restavics, child slaves, because of their lack of clothing and how they had obviously been beaten. And in very rudimentary Creole, she said, are you okay? And those little girls, assuming she could say that one phrase, ask that one question, just begin to pour out in this torrent of Creole what was going on with them. Just begin sharing their story, weeping, grieving over the, the abuse that they had suffered. Megan didn't understand a single word. And she said she was so grieved that these pumpkins were obviously in so much pain and she couldn't help them because she couldn't understand them that she began crying out to the Lord. And she said, God, I cannot believe I can't help them. I know you told me to come here and these little girls have been beaten and I can't do a single thing to help them because I can't understand them. God, help me. And she said, in that moment, in that moment, she understood every syllable, understood every word they were saying. From that moment forward, she could speak Creole. She could write Creole. She's telling me the story because I said, I'm having a hard time with Creole. I can't understand this beautiful little girl I'm in the process of adopting. I can't understand what she's saying. How did you learn Creole? I thought she was going to tell me an app. Y'all, she's not affiliated with a publisher. This wasn't for Insta Story. She wasn't asking for a check afterwards. It's just one chick talking to an older chick, hiking up a steep hill. It was 112 degrees. I was sweating like a trucker. My apologies if you're a trucker. I know not all truckers sweat, but I, I just think of truckers as sweaty. And, and she, we're hiking up this hill. And I say, Megan, how did you learn Creole? And she goes, oh, that's interesting. And she tells me the story. She's 22 years old. She doesn't have a seminary background. She doesn't know all the language and all the theology and where people get confused. She just said, God gave it to me. And I said, Megan, do you realize you experienced Pentecost on this mountain? And she said, you know, Lisa, I guess I did. The next two years after he gave her language, God used this kid, this new Christian to, to build a school 
that now educates more than a thousand kids. She adopted those two little girls that had been beaten, wasn't even married and adopted those kids. She has a clinic up there. So many people on that mountain that she used to hike didn't understand why there were dead cats hanging in the tree at the top of that mountain because she didn't understand that voodoo priests go to the highest hills because they consider that a holy place. She didn't know that God would give her the money to buy the mountaintop to establish a ministry on top of that mountain. She was 22 years old, she was a kid. And out of absolute confusion, God brought clarity. She didn't bring anything to the table. Our culture's so foolish. Our culture says, bring your potential to God and he'll blow on it. I'm like, you know what? You can bring your nothing special to God because he's always used Yehus. He has always used the weak and the foolish and those that may not get it, but who go, I'm just bringing my empty hands to you. Just whatever, Lord, whatever you want to do with my little bit. That kid with a Chick-fil-A lunch said, if you want to use it to feed 5,000, really 15,000, because they didn't count the women and the kids because they were misogynistic. It's amazing what God does with just a little bit, just open hands. Turn to Ezekiel 37 and we'll close here. And you know this passage, one of the most beautiful prophecies In the Old Testament, Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones, the hand of the Lord was upon me because Epicomai didn't just happen at Christmas and Pentecost. Happens all day long, all year long. Another one of my favorite theologians says, we are Easter people living in a good Friday world. Isn't that good? Miracles every day for God's people. Just, Lord, you can do it. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And God said to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Listen to his response. And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. He didn't say, yes, sir. I just came back from, I don't know what the male version of sparkle would be, spackle. I just came back from Spackle. I've got the tool belt. Yes, sir. Bought the t-shirt. I know the multi-syllabic theological terms. Yes. He didn't say any of that. He said, I'm not sure. All I see is void, God. I don't know how you're going to bring vibrancy out of this. I don't know how you're going to bring fruit out of a skeleton valley. But you, you know, God, I love his honesty. Don't fakey Christians drive you nuts. I just want to kick him in the shins in a spiritual kind of way. I was at a women's conference recently, very unlike Sparkle, and I asked a woman how I could pray for her. And she said, oh, I don't need prayer. And I was like, you're about to. I kick you in the shins. I love it when God's people say, I'm not sure but I trust you. Life is difficult, but you're good. You've always been good. You have always been faithful. I'm not sure. I started reading this passage again in April because I was hospitalized with COVID in April. I'm strong as an ox. Didn't think I'd get it. And I'm a little stubborn, so I wouldn't go to the hospital. And by the time I finally went to the hospital, I had what they call, uh, called something crystal. The 
the pneumonia in my lungs had crystallized, broken glass syndrome. And, uh, and I was so worn out because I couldn't breathe that I couldn't open my eyes. And so the nurse thought that I was asleep when she explained to the other nurse that they weren't sure I would make it. They weren't sure if they could stabilize me. And, and I remember thinking, goodness gracious, I, I didn't realize I was going to meet Jesus this quickly. And at first I had just this absolute peace. I thought, this is what peace with God feels like. And then I sinned because I went, oh, Jesus, Missy is just 12 years old and she lost her first mama and she's too young to be orphaned again. Please, please, please let me live so that my little girl won't be orphaned again. And it's like in that moment he went, Lisa. I was like, oh, I forgot. You love her more than I do. You'll take care of her. No matter what happens to me, you'll take care of her. By the grace of God, they were able to stabilize me. On my third day in the hospital, the pulmonologist, great man, came into my room and he said, Lisa, um, I just found out from one of the nurses what you do for a living. Uh, I found out you, you teach, you talk about Jesus. You're a, a teacher and a preacher. And he said, I'm so sorry to be the one to break it to you, but you are not going to be able to preach anymore. He said, we were barely able to save your life. And because of the way the pneumonia shredded your lungs, because of the way it was crystallized, he said, you'll be on oxygen for the rest of your life. And he said, "Uh, you are never going to be able to have enough residual air in your lungs. They won't hold air. Um, You're never going to be able to have enough residual air to to speak for more than two or three minutes at a time. Wonderful man, godly, godly man. And I listened to him. I'd been reading Ezekiel 37. And I said, Doctor, I'm so grateful that God used you to save my life. I'm so grateful to have my life. I said, but with all due respect, um, you actually don't get to tell me if I have breath in my lungs in the future. I said, do you know what the word for Holy Spirit is in the New Testament in the Greek, doctor? And he looked at me like I had three heads. And I said, it's pneuma. It means breath. It means breath. I don't know. Lord, I don't know. If there's any hope in these difficult circumstances, I don't know if there's any breath left in my marriage. I don't know if there's enough breath to blow my prodigal back to me. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, didn't fully believe it. I had empty hands, but I knew that God was good as I command, as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. Don't you love that? There was a sound. There was a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then God said to me, prophesy to the breath, Ezekiel, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded
in me, and breath came into them, the dry bones, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army, a 12-year-old with no fertility, says, I don't know, Lord, you can do it. And he brings Emmanuel out of a little girl a bunch of young believers who have no theology. They don't even have the written word of God yet. God comes upon them and they share the hope of glory with the nations, dry bones, a cemetery. God breathes on it and it becomes a sanctuary. I know some people prayed that I wouldn't get more than three minutes back because I'm so long-winded. Y'all, that was just four months ago. And my lungs are at 97%. He's a good God. He's a good God. Let me ask you to stand up. And I know I'm being bossy as a guest in this house. I know I've not earned this right. So I'm gonna have Pastor Rob come up to, to fix any heresy I've spewed. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you for listening. I'm so honored to be a guest in your house. And now I'm gonna be bossy. I hope none of y'all have to go to the hospital. I'm I'm believing you won't. I'm believing none of y'all will have crystallization in your lungs that shreds them. But I bet you anything, as a 50-year-old mama in the house, some of you don't have any breath in your heart. Some of you have run almost out of gas. You are weary in well-doing. It's been a long year and a half. If that's you, if you feel like your heart is gasping, that you are almost out of breath. You may have been up here 30 minutes earlier and you keep laying down the same burden and it hasn't changed. And it's been two months and three months and four months and you know he's good. You look back over your life and you know he's good, but you're just worn out. You need breath. In your heart, you need the Holy Spirit to breathe new, fresh faith and hope in your heart. If that's you, may I ask you to um, trust the rest of us enough. This is this isn't a country club. This is basically a hospital where everybody comes for healing. We're all in different places of being healed by Jehovah Rapha. If you need breath in your heart. You need fresh hope in your mind because you've been carrying something heavy for a long time and you're worn out. Would you just sit down where you are? Just sit down. If you're online and it's just you in your living room and you're tired, you need fresh hope in your heart, would you just sit down? Sit down. Um, I'm not the sharpest tool in my shed, but some of y'all are standing and the Spirit is whispering for you to sit. There is no shame in saying, I need fresh wind. Every single one of the saints did it. If you need fresh wind in your heart, new faith, you're not saying, I don't believe. You're saying, I'm worn out. Sit down. We're going to be the church. Church is family. It's not perfect, but it's family. And so with those of you saints who are standing by the grace of God, if you're a season and you've got, you're in a season with wind in your heart, that's the goodness of God. 
We didn't deserve that. That's not our capacity. That is God's kindness on our life. Just like Mary, she brought nothing to the table but empty hands going, I surely can't bring this about, but God, you can do it. Would you gather around our brothers and our sisters who have done us the honor of sitting down so we can pray for them. Pastor's gonna pray for all of us. Campuses, your pastors are gonna pray over you. But I want brothers and sisters to gather around these beautiful, honest, sitting saints. Lay hands on them. If you're from River Valley, if you're a guest, that may seem weird. Just know that laying on of hands is saying, I'm coming along beside you and I'm gonna believe for you where right now you're just too weary to believe for yourself. There's a story in the Bible about a group of friends gathering the corners of the mat of a man who struggled with sickness and they carried him to the roof because Jesus was preaching in a crowded house and they couldn't get their friend to Jesus. They carried him to the roof and they cut a hole in the roof and they lowered him to Jesus and Jesus healed that man. And then he said to the friends, he's healed because of your faith because you loved him enough to come alongside him and say, let me remind you of the goodness of God. Let me remind you that he's close to us when our lives feel crushed. Let me remind you that he says he will not give you more than he'll give you the grace to carry. Pray for each other. And Pastor Rob and campus pastors are gonna close this by praying for all of you in just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's just stay in this moment for just a a bit here. Pray for those people. Just pray for them and just pray, God, give them strength. Give them hope. Give them fresh wind. Give them uh, a recharging. Pray for those things for these people. And and there's, it's just a, those of us that are standing are praying for those that are seated. We're saying we're with you. We're with you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the ability to be a church that could come alongside of one another and, and not say we're doing it alone. I just speak that right now. Nobody is going to do it alone in the church. The church is the family of God, and so we're in this together. And so those that are standing are supporting those that are sitting, and we're saying we're with you, we're for you, and God is even more with you and more for you. And so, God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'd give them fresh wind. You'd give them rest. And I even pray that thought right now. Some people think, well, if I'm getting fresh wind, I just got to run out of here. No, some of them need to sleep tonight knowing that you're letting them sleep in perfect peace. Some of them need to use some vacation time and take some time to reflect and just uh, be alone with you. Some need to just spend more time in your word. Some need to just realize I might have not been made for the capacity I'm running at and I need to find that new capacity. And some, it's just life catches up and God, they just needed someone to come along and encourage them, an encouraging word. So we speak words of life over them, words of encouragement, Lord, and we stand with them and say, wherever they're at, whatever they're facing, we're with them, we're for them. But more than that, you are with them and for them. And we speak that over them and pray for them right now. We pray for, we just want to bear one another's burdens. We want to stand with them and say, we're standing, you're seated, but we're standing with you and we stand with you in whatever you're facing. And so God, we just pray for that. They be lifted up, they be strengthened, they be renewed, they be refreshed. There'd be a fresh wind of the power of the Holy Spirit coming into them, on them, beside them. And there'd be just a a strength that is supernatural. Lord, it's not just natural, it's supernatural as well. So we pray for that. A supernatural strengthening to those that are weary. And I pray, God, 
that they would just renew themselves in you and you would refresh them and strengthen them. God, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And for all of us, God, we bring our emptiness, our, 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 what we have, and we just place it at your feet. Use it. We're available. We are available for your use and for your glory and for your honor. So we just say, here we are. Use us. Use us. And today, right now, you're using us to encourage. You're using us to strengthen. And we use that for your glory and for your honor. But from this day forward, God, may we trust you. May we say, use us. Take what we have. Use it. You're a good God. And so we trust you and say, use us for your glory and for your honor. Again, special release. I just pray for a release and a, and a refreshing upon those that are saying, I just need to sit down, refreshing, hope, no condemnation in any, we are cheering them on. We are cheering them on with that they were honest and saying, God, I needed to be lifted up. I needed somebody to stand alongside me. And so God, I thank you for that right now. Refresh, renew, pour out your spirit on them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, 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 amen. What an amazing word. Uh, and I just believe it'd be appropriate to lift up Lisa as well and say, we just thank you for that word. You may not know that, but her flight was canceled last night. Her flight was canceled and she had to rent a car and drive from Springfield, Missouri just to make it here. Was up all night. They drove here got to the hotel at 4.30 in the morning, got a little glimpse of sleep, did sparkle, came to church and ministered. And she's like, just here, four months ago, COVID, come on. I say, uh, I want to lift her up and, and encourage her and give a hand clap and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If somebody's seated, help them up, help them up, let him up. Yeah, we're up, we're up, we're up. Nobody does church alone. If you're doing church alone, you're doing it wrong. We're doing church together. We're in this together. So prayer team members, could you come forward? These are people that love to pray and they're filled with faith. Can I say, they're going to pray like, well, God, if you could, if you give it a shot, they're going to pray in faith, believing for you, knowing that God answers prayer, that he just doesn't hear it, but he answers prayer. And they're going to stand with you and and. It's, they're right there with you. There are people that are holding your arms up, encouraging you, and they are praying. So whatever need you have come with, they would love to pray for every single person that had a need. That It, it, would, it would thrill them to have to cancel dinner plans and pray for you later, all right? It may not thrill you, but it'll thrill them, all right? But I just want you to know this, that you are loved. We are standing with you. These teams are here. Use what you have. Lord, here's what I have. I use it for your glory and he will fill you and use you. Have an amazing week serving the Lord. And I, I, I'll, I'll close with this. Like, if you are doing church alone, you need to get into a small group. You need to get in, plugged in. You need, this is, we are in this together. And like never before have I felt we need to link arms and be in this together. Like never before. Things that you took for granted years ago, we're not taking for granted anymore. We are in this together. All right, one last pastoral. That was like the last, last. This is the last, all right. Join a small group. That was last, but this is the last, last, all right? When you leave here, talk to people, love people, pray for them. I mean, maybe go to dinner with a new friend and, you know, just let's be the church, okay? Let's be the church that God wants us to be and realize we're in this together. Prayer teams are here. They would love to pray for you. God bless you. Have a great week serving the Lord.